0: Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Alright, thanks for coming back for yet another club update. This time I'm here with Jim Knight from Perform. We're going to be talking about Leicester. You've just signed Islam Slimani as we pressed record. Uh, Fortunate that... Uh, very high fee. You already have strikers, but a very talented player. What do you make of this one?
1: Yeah, we broke our transfer record for the third time in uh in four weeks. So um it's uh it's an interesting signing. It's a player that we've been chasing, I think, for a little while, someone that we've identified and had on the radar um for a little while. He doesn't really fit our normal um approach really. We we tend to sign players that are a little bit younger. He's I think he's twenty seven um so he's um not a particularly young player with a huge amount of sell on value which is where we've tended to do most of our business in the past apart from the likes of Shinji Okazaki um where we know that we've almost got no resale value because he was already in his late 20s early 30s but um it's it's a really interesting one i think that he obviously was kind of against leaving sporting lisbon for a long time i think you see his reaction when he walked off the pitch um, after they played Benfica at the weekend and the the guy's in tears so it obviously means a lot to him to to, to leave but maybe he feels that you know the money is too good to turn down and I guess Sporting are potentially in that position as well where you know uh, mid to late 20 million for you know they're one of their best players Um, you know money talks unfortunately a lot of the time in football and as much as We kind of, you know, we look down our noses at clubs that that pay a lot of money on deadline day. Sometimes these things have to be done to, to get deals over the line because clubs need the players and need them quickly. So, yeah, we've got the checkbook out again and hopefully he fits in well. It's going to be interesting to see how Ranieri integrates him into a team which has already got quite a lot of pace and kind of striking options in it. Um, I don't know if that means Leonardo Ruggiero is possibly going to leave the club now because he's going to slip another rung down the pecking order. And, you know, at the moment, he's only really feeding off scraps. So it's um, it's going to be an interesting time for sure.
0: Yeah, there was also a talk that you might be doing a double swoop uh, for a now looking less likely. What was that all about?
1: It was yeah, it was a weird one. So we were linked with Adrian Silva, who um is is the midfielder from Sporting as well. So the, the idea was and a, a lot of the Portuguese papers were running with the the line this morning that we'd be able to get them both for around sixty million euros, um, which obviously would probably mean breaking the transfer record again within the space of twelve hours for Silamani firstly and then for Silva second. Um and it all kind of seemed to, to start off quite well this morning. And there was talk of us meeting his release clause, which was eye-wateringly big. I think it was £38.5 million. So, I mean, that is you know, absolutely huge for Leicester, considering that eight or nine weeks ago, our transfer record was £9 million. So you're talking about four, almost five times, um, depending on how the Joe deal went with, with add-ons and stuff, almost five times our um, transfer fee. So... It's um, it, to, it seems to it seems all go very quiet and then as these things do on deadline day, it kind of petered out and all the talk was about Soleimani leaving the Algeria camp because he's there at the moment for the international game um, training. So leaving there to, to have his medical and make sure everything's okay physically. But yeah, I think there was definitely interest there and obviously the, the central midfield area is not a problem, but it's certainly an area where I think Claudio still thinks we potentially need to strengthen um, particularly after the injury of Nampolos Mendy as well. A couple of weeks ago, um, we're, we're a player light in that area. And with Matty James still not kind of featuring for the first team, he's still playing for the, the under-23 in development squad. So with with King and obviously losing Kante um, during the summer, that's still a hole that I think we need to fill. But perhaps he feels that Daniel Amate's performance... Um, against Swansea is good enough to, to justify going into the, the kind of first half of the season um, until January with the resources that we have at the moment.
0: Yeah, all right. Well, before we get into how how your players will fit in now, are there any last-minute things, any incomings, any outgoings that you'd expect before the deadline closes?
1: I think the only person could be someone like Leonardo Ugella if um, Claudio has said to him, look, if we do bring in Soleimani, which obviously is, is done now, Um, he is going to slip further down the pecking order in terms of strikers. And I think there's a potential for him to move on because he's already been linked away kind of several times this year. And he's a really, really handy striker for someone in the, the kind of, I suppose, lower half of the Premier League, potentially top half of the championship. Someone aspiring to be um, a Premier League team, but in need of a striker who's going to score plenty of goals at that level, because he scored some valuable, invaluable goals for us, and he, he's had a massive impact on the team over the last three or four years. Um, I don't think we'd want a huge amount of money for him in today's, you know, relative terms, and we'd probably be able to, to to get the same money as we paid for him from Brighton, which I think was nine million. Um, so if there was a bid in the region of nine or ten million, which in today's market is is very much small fry. Um, then I think we would let him leave um, because I really don't see him getting too much game time now that we have the options um, that we've brought in the summer. I think, obviously, striking-wise, um, we're, we're pretty well stocked now. Um, and plus, Jeff Schlupp will be back from injury soon as well, hopefully. So he can always act as another kind of striker, impact player off the bench if we did need someone and there was an injury within the camp.
0: Mm. Also I owe you a mea culpa. Uh, surprisingly, I know less about Lester than you do. I kept thinking that Inler would get a shot. Uh clearly does not. He's now gone out. Uh was that a loan or permanent? Uh
1: I think it's permanent deal to Besiktas. I think it's just one of those things. I mean, we touched on it several times um during the preseason pod, but he's just he never really made an impact. Um I think he came in unfit. Um, from, from and because he didn't have a pre-season, he wasn't with the club at the time and the transfer dragged on to such a point where it was very much like Cambiasso um, the season before where the, the the transfer dragged on so long and obviously we then thought Inla was going to be the direct replacement for, for Cambiasso when he decided not to stay and I think everyone had pretty high hopes and he just struggled to, to get into the team because Drinkwater and Kante formed this amazing partnership in Central Midfield while he was getting fit for the season um, and then he was very much restricted to to club um, to, to cup appearances and kind of the odd bit here and there off the bench. He just he never really managed to make an impact on the first team. He obviously wasn't impressing enough in training to to, to take either one of those central midfielders' places, which is even more difficult to, to get into the team. I guess when you you're on such a hot streak, and that hot streak never really ended for Leicester, which was obviously incredible, and we talked about that loads, but. He, I think he was just one of the victims of circumstance, really, that it was a, a number of things just kind of culminated at once. And he's he's made, he's turned out for the under-21s and the development squad a few times, but kind of these friendlies that, that take place on midweek games and stuff. And obviously, that's no, that's no way for him to kind of ply his trade in this country. He's obviously a much, much better player than that. You only have to look at what he's achieved in his career to know that. So uh, I think th- there was obviously no hard feelings. And I think it was just a matter of trying to find him a top-level club um, in another country, where he was kind of prepared to go and, p- and play his football, and obviously Besiktas have, have put an offer on the table, and he's um, he's taken it up. So, you know, obviously we wish him all the best, but it just it was just one of those transfers, much like Andre Cramrich, I guess, um, that just didn't work out for one reason or another.
0: Yeah. Um... You mentioned that we'd already talked about Inler a lot. Now to talk about another thing we've talked about a lot: how Musa is going to fit into the side, which is now even more complicated by signing Slamani. Who is the better player? Obviously. How do you think that whole that all works out up front? I know you touched on it earlier, but more specifically, who do you think fits in that starting eleven?
1: It's yeah, it's difficult because um, obviously Musa has looked at his best. Um, well, certainly the best we've seen of him was that Barcelona friendly where. He scored twice and he was playing through the middle. Um, but it's difficult to see him getting a regular starting place up front as we've just broken the transfer record for Suleimani who is essentially an out-and-out striker himself. So he got 27 goals in the in the Portuguese league last year for sporting. Um, it's very, very difficult to see us keeping someone like that on the bench for too long. So I think Moussa will probably be restricted to, to um, substitute appearances or, or kind of wide play. Um, as as we said, I mean th- there is an option that potentially we could go to a four three three. That would take a little bit of um, kind of reworking and stuff in terms of the players. Somebody like Mark Albrighton um, would probably have to miss out because we're not going to drop Riyad Mahrez. But if you did go to a four three three, it would allow you to play Vardy through the middle um, and or, or out wide. He, he can play a lone forward out wide, and we've seen him do that for England before. Um, quite successfully although it's obviously not his favourite position and as the senior player in the squad and kind of that kind of st- stalwart of the team I guess now in the sense that he's been there the longest out of some of them um, certainly the striking options then it may well be that we have to find a solution that fits three attacking players um, into, into the formation. Other than that I suppose it's worth mentioning that the Champions League adds a, a real extra dimension in terms of fatigue and um, being able to cover for injuries and things. And this is one of the points I was making today that Leicester were extremely lucky through good sports science, but also through dumb luck last year. If we didn't really have any long-term injuries at all. The only one we carried through the season was Matty James. Everyone else seemed to kind of get through relatively unscathed the whole season. Obviously, that helps with a, a lighter workload of no European football. But now that's being brought in, you're going to have to have um, plenty of replacements ready to come in, so it may well be a case that Vardy and, and Musa, for example, start a Champions League game, um, and then it, it's it's maybe Vardy and Soleimani in the league or vice versa. So it just depends who who kind of holds up best, I guess, with the, the rigors of playing twice a week, which is not something that you know some, a lot of our players have had to do um, for a very for, for a long time, because in the Championship you did have to play forty six games in the season, but obviously at a lot lower intensity. And um, that's probably the closest a lot of them have come because they weren't playing in the Champions League before.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, it is going to be interesting to see how you balance both of those things. Uh, have your expectations for your season changed with these signings?
1: I guess a little bit in the sense that um, we're probably more ambitious now kind of looking upwards. I think at the start of the season, I kind of said anywhere around the top 10 Um I think the calibre of signings that we've been able to bring in and the way that that's had an impact. And if you, I think if you look at, if you you write the whole game off almost completely as a kind of game where we, we just look like we're still in pre-season, we've put no kind of passing game together for the entire 90 minutes and we just got picked off um, by some sloppy defending. I think if we do manage much- Managed to keep the majority of the players fit. I think now we could start to look towards a European spot again. Maybe not a top four spot, but certainly I think competing for Europa League place isn't out of the question, given the quality of the reinforcements that we have brought in and the the kind of squad game that we've got now. Um, you know, like as I said on the on the roundtable um, pod at the weekend, Amarty almost looks like a new signing. So having him in central midfield really adds another dimension to our squad as well. And I think the way that Claudio is obviously looking at it now, He won't admit it, but I think secretly he'll harbour kind of ambitions of, of staying in Europe, probably the Europa League, given how much the big guns have spent and what we're up against to try and get back into the top four, let alone defend the title.
0: Mm, fair enough. All right. Well, thank you for taking the time out for us here. You have anything you'd like to plug? Um,
1: yeah, just the usual kind of stuff. You can find me on Twitter at knight 88 I write for goal.com and I'm the gaming content manager for, perform so that encompasses sites like soccerway and opta and various different uh, sports media outlets so if if betting and gambling is your is your uh, thing when it comes to football then yeah give those a follow and check out the content that we're putting out
0: awesome thanks again and i'm sure we'll speak soon